once you're not in the programming, you're functioning in a different dimensional frequency where the physics are different, where even the physics of our physical body is different. We can neutralize and nullify a lot of the stuff we've been breathing in, a lot of the toxins, because we've all been assaulted, right? But I feel if somebody's under the programming, those assaults are very hard to shake free from. Mm -hmm. Whereas a person that's free from the lower density and the divide and conquer and a lot of the manipulations coming through the media and entertainment industry, once we're um, free from that, our bodies can assimilate these assaults much better than if we're stuck in it, where I feel the physical symptoms and um, how one relates to it. It's just like, wow, they, they kind of bit the bait and they're now dealing with uh, being almost more trapped and enslaved by it. But the minute that breakthrough happens, everything changes. Right now on Higher Journeys with Alexis Brooks. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Higher Journeys. I am so glad that you are here today with my thrice, thrice, four times. I don't know how many times Laura Eisenhower has been on the show, but I know that every single time we are joined by my friend, it is nothing short of amazing. Laura Eisenhower, thank you for coming today. You're going to give us a galactic update. We're going to talk about the matrix. It's going to be all of that and more. What's happening with you, my friend, with oh, your sassy God. hat today? <laughs> well, it's awesome to be here. It's always wonderful to be with you. Um, we have such an awesome connection outside of just doing interviews as well. And yeah, I'm I, uh, wearing a hat, you guys. The humidity and the rain and working outside, uh, it's probably better that um, my wonderful hair day uh, is uh, somewhat covered up. But um, yeah, what's been happening? Well, some good things, some very inspiring things that have balanced out a lot of very, very stressful things. But uh, yeah, when you're not in the moment of it being inspiring and it goes back into sort of the challenge, I try and integrate the inspiring energy into the moment so that I don't drop in my vibration. I try and be as honest as possible with family members. And so there's even a lot of positive stuff happening, but it's, it's, it's a lot of tough work. And I know I'm not going into very much detail, but I just went to a homestead festival in Tennessee and I'm not much into Hollywood or Hollywood actors or anything, but uh, I was really, really impressed because Kevin Costner showed up and uh, didn't even know the owner um, or the producer of the event named Rory uh, uh, Keek. I hope I'm saying his name right. Who's a major homesteader and puts on a lot of uh, different events. He lost his wife recently. Anyway, Kevin Costner shows up with his band. I got to give him a huge hug and I was so blown away by his music and all the panels and all that we learned. My kids were there as well. And then I just kind of come home and it's just just hitting the 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 harshness of what's going on in the world um, and feeling, yeah, like a lot of people doing exceptional work are being very, very targeted right now. And the news never seems to really get better. And we're watching this sort of long and drawn out process um, unfold that isn't going to be remedied overnight. There's no quick fix. And so uh, it's a little bit troubling, but um, I'll kind of leave it at that as far as how I'm doing. Okay. Yeah. Well, as per usual, you said a lot in a little bit of time. And I'm glad you started with that lovely event, uh, homestead event. That's something that I know more people have been talking about lately, uh, getting back to the earth and really, really uh, harnessing the power of home, not only home in terms of environment, but home in here. Uh, so that's important. Listen, <clears throat> I want to get right into a couple of things, guys. We only have about 45 minutes with Laura uh, today. Oh, and but before I do, we have a little bit more than 45 minutes because as per usual, we will be going over to the Patreon after show. She's going to uh, grace us with her presence over there. We can get a little bit deeper. So I hope you will uh, consider joining us over there. And of course, it helps support uh, Higher Journeys, uh, keeps it going and growing. 
So we'll see you over there. But for now, I want to share with you, Laura, I, I was tempted to tell you off air, but I said, let me just tell you while I'm telling the rest of the journeyers about an experience that I had just a few days ago having to do with time. Now, we've talked about repeating numbers before. We're going to bring it up in the show again today. But I, uh, Laura, for years, frankly, off and on have been barraged by 1111, right? We don't have to go into that, speculating what that may be. However, it waxes and wanes for me. Well, lately, it's been popping back up into my life. No surprise, because there's been so many ebbs and flows going on. So for whatever it is, it's significant. On this particular day, a couple of days ago, I had, uh, I was perusing my iPad, had my iPad on and I, you know, you see the the time sort of stamp on the top left, I believe it is. And lo and behold, here we go again. It's 1111. I, I looked, I just looked at the clock and I just kind of shook my head. And here's where, here's the kicker guys. Hold on to your hat, Laura. I stared at 1111 and I noticed it seemed to be lingering longer than it should. In other words, Mm. more than 60 seconds. Right. I looked and I said, why is it still 1111? It should have progressed. Well, guys, I kid you not. I blinked and looked up in a nanosecond and it went from 1111 to 1113. What? Weird. Weird, right? Yeah. And I said, okay, all right. I mean, now, now look, when these things happen and we're going to call it, I'm going to call it perhaps a glitch in the matrix. The first thing you do when you see something anomalous like this is you try to reason out why it may have happened. You try to apply logic to it. Did I, did I, I don't know, is the clock broken? I think that's probably the only thing I could have said, but it didn't take me long to, to, to say to myself, aha, are we witnessing something that may be going on for more people and more now than ever. I want to dig into this because I think if what I witnessed was a glitch of some kind, the fact that we're living in a matrix and that something may be happening to that matrix, did I witness that? Now, I want to bring up, bear with me, guys, because there's another story that you may have heard about because it is circulating on a variety of social media outlets. Similar, having to do with a woman a young woman who I think works in her mother's restaurant and she was essentially prepping some food and she was cutting a lemon on the counter in the restaurant. She cuts a lemon in half and then she cuts it again in half. So she quarters it. She walks away to get a container, I suppose, or a bag to put the lemon slices in. She goes back to the lemon and it was only in half and she freaked out. Huh. Okay. Somebody actually sent this to me. One of the journeyers, if you're listening, shout out to you that brought brought it to my attention. This happened right after my little glitch. And she's calling it a glitch in the matrix. Now, look, we don't know. This could this is a social media thing. It could have been faked. I don't know. But the bottom line is, Laura, things are getting wonky. Oh, I know. I want you to comment on. Let's talk about the time thing first. Can you can you uh, lend some 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 substance to what I just experienced? What was that? Yeah, well, it's hard to say. Um, I've been experiencing weird things when it comes to time. Time almost stopping or, gosh, shouldn't have an hour passed and only five minutes has passed. Um, And just sort of weird anomalies and definitely a lot of synchronicity with numbers and things on license plates and things just jumping out, like hidden messages. And I really do think it has a lot to do with timelines. Some might say mandala effect type things, even though it's a little bit different. 
Um, but when we're talking about a glitch in the matrix, we're dealing with an aspect between Saturn and Uranus and also Saturn moving into the sign Aquarius where the Uranus energy, which is making a challenging aspect, which is what squares mean in astrology to the planet Saturn, Saturn rules time. Saturn also in its shadow, sort of darker, lower octave element, um, represents tyranny, control, uh, and all the negative things that we see as far as dangerous and corrupt authority, um, which is also under the rulership of Saturn. If we look at the higher octave of Saturn, it has to do with self-mastery, overcoming tyranny, and going through the trials and tribulations of life and coming out of it um, with a connection with Saturn, which rules the law of structure, where the human structure and human vessel is no longer playing by outside rules. It's playing by cosmic and natural law and the rules of what it takes to have balance, equilibrium, health, and wholeness, right? So all these adversities are bringing us closer to ourselves, but the outside external forces that have to do with negative authority want us to give our power away and fear death and fear of these adversities and um, live a very much more limited sort of existence. But with the square aspect with Uranus, Uranus, which rules truth, authenticity, unity, consciousness, but also sovereignty as a prerequisite to coming into unity consciousness, it's challenging Saturn. And it's such a high vibrational electrical energy that it's going to, in its interaction with Saturn, make these glitches um, because there's openings in the matrix to where the fences and the seals and the veils are being somewhat lifted. Um, and for a person who's awakened, they're probably going to notice it a lot more. And somebody who maybe is in the awakening process will start to realize, okay, wait, you know, something really weird is happening. <laughs> Obviously, uh, there's a lot of obvious reasons that a person is going to wake up in these times outside of, uh, you know, just dubbing everything as a conspiracy theorist, because people are really experiencing this in their own personal lives to the point where it's like something seriously wrong here. So in their awakening process, I feel the glitches and anomalies are going to help them to manifest synchronicities that will take them towards solutions and healing protocols that will help them to step out of that. And so those openings, whether it's seeing numbers, whether it's seeing time play in a different way, whether you're awakened like you are or somebody who's beginning to awaken, I think we're going to notice that time is not the same anymore because we're in a bifurcation period. It's still very much parallel or running side by side, but as it begins to branch because the frequency can no longer share the same space, I feel like mm -hmm. there's a bridge between the two for those that are still in service or don't want to just go off and, and still not be in service to those that might need help. But I think that's part of the glitch is that you know, an awakening is inevitably happening. And where we fall on the timeline is where we're going to begin to see a pathway open up with synchronicities and anomalies that are going to help us to step away from the one that's more controlled and limited by the Gregorian calendar, dark technology, Saturn moon matrix, and um, media distortions, and all these different things that put people sort of in a trance where they, they can't seem to break free. Somebody who's already doing that, though, they're going to notice um, more miracles, more synchronicities, more anomalies, and more reminders that uh, we're breaking free. Um, we might have been internally free for a while, but now it's becoming more manifest in the physical plane because of the window period that we're in, connected to being in alignment with the galactic core. And the fact that there already has been victory, but they still can do the indoctrination. They can still push this stuff on our children. They can still convince people and dupe people. But, it, you know, so they only win as long as we allow them because we ultimately have to win the war on consciousness within ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I would say that these anomalies are a really good sign. I mean, obviously, you, you've you been on the right track in a good track for a while, you know, on the right um, solid truth trajectory connected to the organic ascension timeline. 
And I think, you know, the more people you're able to touch with your frequency and with your words and with your truth, um, people will begin to open up their field to see similar glitches as, as you just did. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Um, I hope that I, made sense. I don't know. Yeah, it made a lot of sense. And that is actually one of the uh, key elements I thought about when, as I had this experience for myself, even the young woman with the lemon for whatever that's worth, could it be that we're the ones ultimately prying open the matrix where these openings are occurring? Yeah. Our consciousness, I believe is because once you're not in the programming, you're functioning in a different dimensional frequency where the physics are different, where even the physics of our physical body is different. We can neutralize and nullify a lot of the stuff we've been breathing in, a lot of the toxins, because we've all been assaulted, right? But I feel if somebody's under the programming, those assaults are very hard to shake free from. Mm -hmm. Whereas a person that's free from the lower density and the divide and conquer and a lot of the manipulations coming through the media and entertainment industry, once we're um, free from that, our bodies can assimilate these assaults much better than if we're stuck in it, where I feel the physical symptoms and um, how one relates to it. It's just like, wow, they, they kind of bit the bait and they're now dealing with um, being almost more trapped and enslaved by it. But the minute that breakthrough happens, everything changes. Everything so as long changes. as people get out of the mind control, the social engineering, I feel that they can neutralize all the assaults that we've been dealing with for thousands of years. Absolutely. And start to alchemize, transmute, literally. Mind control doing it more than what we're being hit with. Because if it was enough to hit us with just the weapons, they wouldn't bother with the indoctrination or the mind control or the social engineering. They need us to be invested in that for the rest of the weapons to work. Mm -hmm. I mean, Artific that's just what I feel. Because I know I've been able to heal a lot, you know, not being in the programming of it all. Um, but when I'm like in self-doubt or I'm just like, what is this? Um, I know the heaviness of density in my physical body might challenge me, but then I have a breakthrough and I'm like, well, usually you it's a bit about emotional that. stuff or relationship issues, not the programming right. of society. I stepped away from all that as a child, but. Right. I know you talked about that, that point, uh, Laura, just recently on another wonderful uh, interview you did that you were being interviewed um, in terms of the, the, the heaviness of self-doubt and how that will sort of self perpetuate or will continue to perpetuate more of the same and how to sort of shift that paradigm by whether it's self-talk or whatever uh, process you go through. And, and that's very important that the power of the imagination, we need to be invoking that now more than ever. Yes. Um, I want to talk about AI for a bit. I mean, we're, we're obviously the, the goal of the show, not the goal, but the, the absolute intention is to leave you all with the highest of, uh, to be inspired, to know that we're, we're in the throes of something that ultimately we will prevail in. We will come through this as winners, but we have to have these conversations. We have to acknowledge the shadow in order to see the light and eradicate the shadow. So in that regard, we are going to talk about both. I want to talk about AI. Uh, some people have called it even strong AI, really advanced AI. And AI as it relates to Mm, the hold that they may be attempting to have almost as these sentient and yet inorganic beings on this planet. Uh, I, I think of the numbers again. Now the glitch perhaps, as we said, was something that we at some level are triggering. We're, we're opening up uh, the matrix or peeling back that layer. But as far as repeating numbers of which many people have been talking about quite for quite a few years now, whether it's repeating numbers, 555, 333, mine is 55, by the way, mm. all the time, been going on for months, but also maybe just numbers that are significant. 
from a new agey perspective, a lot of people talk about the significance of the angel numbers and this and that. And okay, fine. There may be some significance to that. But do you feel that there may be some intersection or in interception, I should say, of AI when it comes to why these numbers seem to be so freaking, you know, tenacious with people? Why it could there be some AI influence trying to disrupt the organic uh, numerological significance, as an example? Uh, potentially, because we're not really dealing with, uh, we're, I mean, we're dealing with the Gregorian calendar. Is the clock really set like perfectly to, you know, cosmic and natural law or the flow of the universe? I mean, I think also, though, it's like in life, we're going to see messages and signs. It's going to come through friends. It's going to come through conversations. It's going to come through synchronicities. It's going to come through things trying to get our attention. Mostly the significance of like seeing a particular animal or like if a bald eagle is flying close or some of my interactions with my animals or um, when nature speaks and there's, you know, significant things um, with, uh, you know, what one observes, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, okay, that medicine is showing up or that vibration is making an interaction. So it's similar to me, like when you shuffle cards, it's like, it's going to reflect back certain numbers and certain archetypes. Right. So I think a person that's out of the program are going to notice numbers that are kind of speaking. Like if you're seeing fives, um, I mean, think about 5d or fifth chakra or the fifth element, um, or, you know, anything that represents, you know, the number five, it's really calling out to you. It's saying, this is maybe your organic tarot reading for the day. Instead of like looking at it and shuffling your cards, the universe is kind of shuffling, the cards for you and just giving you messages. I think there hmm. is an AI component to a certain degree, but um, I think those that aren't under the influence so much are pretty much immune to it and would probably be able to tell the difference because it would hit them in a different vibrational way. I think a lot of the new age definitions of things sometimes are in the AI because there's a lot of new age deception hmm. and maybe some of the interpretations are a little bit off um, in the way maybe they interpret it or who knows. Um, but I think it's just unique for everybody. And as long as we can tune into our intuition, we can see that happen and the answer will come forward from our intuition. If you're enjoying this episode, along with all of the subjects that we cover here on Higher Journeys, then I invite you to join our members only community on Patreon, where we go even deeper into the conversations with the guests that you know and love. Not only does your membership ensure that we can keep this work going and growing, but you'll also get immediate access to our exclusive after shows. Get up close and personal with the guests of the show, along with many other member perks. So click on the link below to join now or visit higherjourneys.com where you'll find the Patreon link. We'll see you on the journey. Thanks. The AI really requires us to be in a low vibration of fear, uh, conquer and divide, it assimilates us through lower frequencies. So in like Power Versus Force by David Hawkins, there's a scale, the lower vibrations of fear, grief, anger, whatever. I don't know if anger is one of them because anger can be very healthy and good. Mm -hmm. um, can be. But we start, yeah, it can be. If we channel it correctly and we find the passion behind it and, you know, righteous rage or divine rage is a lot different than just being angry and being toxic with that anger, being a little bit more aware and responsible for these emotions and feelings uh, to me, are part of, you know, being earth, air, fire, water, being, you know, elemental beings that we are, we're, we do carry a lot of fire, some people more so than others, depending on their chart. But I feel like once we cross the threshold and we go into acceptance and love and peace and, you know, we're dealing with a different vibration and um, AI can't really touch that. It, it mm -hmm. really needs to drop our vibration. That's why we're always being blasted with more fear, um, more uh, divisive tactics to separate and divide us. 
And that's why I think that the Amber and uh, Johnny trial was so much in our face because I can't even believe the dynamics and the way people have treated each other over it and the way that they're perceiving it and they weren't even there and how obsessed people have gotten. And I think that's an AI tactic and some of the um, artificial synchronicities that come along with it, I feel are somewhat generated by um, a deeper agenda to hook us in. Whereas once we cross the threshold, um, the synchronicities and the numbers have more meaning because at least the intuition um, can process it. Whereas if there's any kind of deception or distortion, some of those numbers have a shadow side, just like planets do. And mm -hmm. maybe um, it's hmm. just speaking a different language. If a person's under a program, they might notice these things and maybe that'll like snap them out of it or be like a good communication from the universe. But for others, they might not even notice. They might notice um, more the chaoticness of numbers and they miss out on looking at their phone at that right time. Um, and I think, uh, hmm. you know, if, if, if our music, if our frequency isn't tuned correctly, like a musical instrument and we're playing out of tune or we're playing by a different Hertz or distorted vibration coming in from AI and EMFs and 5G and what streams through our cell phones and the television, if we're riding that frequency, I feel that's where AI can really mess with people. Even if they think, you know, if they're under a spiritual deception or a new age deception, they might not recognize it. But I think once somebody crosses the threshold, your your instrument is tuned up. You're riding a different uh, frequency and hertz. Um, you tend to be more attracted to sound healing, and you know it's easier to to shut that part of our world down. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the universe is really speaking, especially in what you described. I feel it's a genuine organic synchronicity and experience that is um, reminding you of where your frequency is at. And if you see a lot of fives, that's a really good sign. Fifty five. Probably. Cool. And five and five is 10. That's the wheel of fortune and the magician uh, breaking down the numerology. So that's cool. I love I, I recently heard you talk about the fact that you do tarot. I've been kind of playing around with tarot. You know it much better than I, as well as other Oracle cards. We can talk about that a little bit more offline, but it that's helps. Great. And sometimes, you know, I get almost like I don't want it to shut down my life. Like, what are the cards? That, you know, right. sometimes it's really important. Um, it's, it's gotten me through so much, but uh, a person doesn't necessarily need it. The universe is always communicating with us, but sometimes that's right. That's right. I mean, you really, could take really a book. You could take any book, deck, which I love. What's up? You could take any book. Really, it, it, I mean, look these and these, turn any page in it, and it's and turn any page, and you will find something that will be of significance. I mean, these things are really just externalizations of what's coming from inside of us, anyway. That I've always felt that very well Ex put. Yeah. Yes, it's expressed as archetypes. I agree. Um, I I'm loathe particularly now with all the stuff that's been going on with me yes guys i've been in a little bit of drama um pray for me <laughs> i'm gonna still smile and laugh because uh to me it's just a it's just the matrix uh but in those periods of vulnerability particularly i, I i'm very careful to not do a lot of reading on myself because i think that the through the archetypes the fear can be mirrored in the cards that come out oh, yeah, and, yeah. and exacerbate you know, right. That's kind of why I like doing it though, because I'm like, okay, is this coming from me? Am I mm. generating this or is this coming from outside? I mean, there's got to be a relationship within the two. Right. Um, but at the same time, I feel there's a lot of attack and targeting, but you know, laughter and kind of rising above it and uh, not getting, you know, I always remember, you know, you're sovereign, you're free, no matter what you lose, what is taken away, what is stripped from you, you'll always have you. And maybe it's just time to do a reset and clean the slate. And create a, a a different reality than one I lived in before. I just have to go through the mourning process or the letting go process. And that's going to, you know, play with a person's mind. Sometimes, yeah, I see the cards showing a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety in me. 
um, a lot of overwhelm, exhaustion. But then, you know, it'll also show, you know, that might be my perception in the moment, but that's not actually the foundation of truth that I really, really reside in. It mm -hmm. might just be a temporary feeling in the morning process or in the confusion, especially when we're dealing with partnerships or children or friendships or falling out with friendships because of these agendas and how much they're really working on people to separate Absolutely. us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then it's like, it's hard not to feel emotional and this and that. So yeah, it's like, I could almost predict the readings I'll get. I'm like, I bet you I'm going to get these particular cards. And then sometimes I'm feeling like crap and I get the most incredible cards. I'm like, what? But then I don't want to be like, like sitting on hold waiting for it to manifest you have to like set it free right so it doesn't always help a person to sit there and do readings all the time and i've learned that but i have to say it's helped me more than it's harmed me but um i don't think a person's missing out because like you said the universe is always speaking to us and sometimes uh always. when i leave my cards alone for like a couple of weeks or a month i'm still in just as much communication it actually feels liberating that i'm not constantly checking in and i have exactly working i agree with since i was a teenager and i grew accustomed to it being sort of my guide when i had nobody to talk to but it's like you know things are a little bit different now so uh, you know it's always a miracle and i was like oh my god it's been three days and i haven't shuffled my cards <laughs> i love you know i love the process of shuffling laura it's almost kind of cathartic it's therapeutic for me i love shuffling and i love getting what i call flippers or jumpers I usually, those are the cards that I take rather than choosing a card. I'll, I'll just keep shuffling until one jumps out. Right. Right. So. That happens to me a lot. It's like one will just fly out. I usually do an 11 card reading with a circle deck called mother piece. Um, I don't just, you know, just do a one card pull. Sometimes I do. Um, and I, and I don't refer to it, but I just look at it real fast. And like for two seconds, I just look at 11 cards and I immediately know what it's saying. And then I can adjust myself. It's like, but if there's a legitimate sort of dark force coming in, it very much often happens when I'm super positive and I'm feeling really, really kind of high on life and happy. Mm. That's usually when something comes and literally pulls the carpet from underneath me. And I you know, don't come from that victim perspective either. I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. Like every mm. time I'm feeling really, really good, a major sabotage comes. And uh, Why? And, I, Why? And, and then I, I learned to fall back on myself. It's like, well, you're sovereign. You're not dependent on anybody. You know, maybe to a certain degree when you're in a relationship or, you know, you've got that kind of partnership, but I, I know that these adversities are strengthening me. And I know sometimes when I get really happy or high on life, I'm like, tone it down. The universe is going to come and whack you real hard. <laughs> so I'm like trying to be neutral. It's like when, you know, coming back from the festival, I'm like, I even wrote in the comments, I better, better not get too excited. Cause I know something's going to whack me. And sure enough, it did. But I'm like, did I just call that forward? Because I expect it. So mm. one has to just, have a sense of humor, reset in the moment. And um, that to me is when miracles happen. When we have that shift of perspective in a moment that's super challenging for us. Um, when our perspective doesn't, I don't know, get infiltrated by it or begin to integrate it as a reality. Mm -hmm. And we get to just continue up beyond it. That's when I feel miracles happen. And I learned that a lot when I did the wilderness courses. You know, if, if a rattlesnake shows up and you show fear, you know, just around animals, they pick up on it and then they're kind of afraid of you. So then they get defensive and they might bite you. But if you just kind of like, wow, you know, I'm a part of this creature. It's a part of me. We're having a moment. Um, and it just <laughs> it just doesn't do anything. Even scorpions like, you know, it's like, you know, dropping the fear. Um, I learned a lot just about how reality uh, reflects itself back. But sometimes it's going to throw us a curveball when we least expect it. But it's to strengthen us. Why would athletes constantly put pressure on their muscles and constantly raise the bar in how they're challenged? Because it's going to build more muscle and more intelligence as far as, you know, um, and a lot of it is pain that they signed up for. When it's pain that we haven't signed up for, we feel victimized and we feel attacked. 
But we got to remember, you know, maybe we did sign up for these um, out of left field kind of experiences because they mm. will both strength and challenge us if we can perceive it correctly. Wow. Did we sign up for it? That's something that I've always asked. We, we hear this uh, consistently, particularly in our community, about contracting to come here during these times signing up for personal experience, even though it's unconscious, uh, or we may not have any conscious recollection of it. And, you know, whatever it is, you know, he, here's been my mantra recently, uh, Laura, quite simply, life does not happen to us, but by us. Life doesn't happen to us, but by us. It, it can happen to us if we're not sovereign in uh, directing the path, but it's right. meant to be happening consciously by us. Yeah. So that's something that, uh, but, you know, I just find it interesting that you say that whenever things are starting to get really good and you get amped up and, you know, that adrenaline's going, something comes in and wants to usurp it. Why? Is that that uh, that that dark force that just does not, is, is refusing to relent, refusing to let go? Is that what it is? I think in some cases, for sure. I think, uh, you know, predatory um, or dangerous energies are attracted to those that are in fear, kind of perpetuating um, the things that are going to validate anxiety, fear, self-doubt, and all that stuff like we've talked about. But I also think that when we're really in our power and in our light, something comes along to challenge us to see, are we really consistent in that? Are we really standing on an empowered foundation or are we tricking ourselves into thinking it? And so I think sometimes the universe tests us when we're feeling really empowered and good. It's like, can you maintain that? Are you going to let this person <laughs> poke holes in you and pull the carpet from underneath you and sabotage what would otherwise be a good mood? And uh, the only people I really let get away with that is like my kids and husband because they're so close to me. And it's just like, what are you guys thinking? Why are you talking to me like that? Why are you saying this? Like, and then, um, no, it's <laughs> like, okay, well, the higher octave of Saturn is self-mastery. So in this moment, if I can communicate from a place of understanding and compassion and not sink in vibration and also look at my side, you know, did I, uh, you know, that, that conversation could be shifted into a breakthrough and into, uh, self-accountability and apologies that I hear from them. And then I self-correct and say, wow, I'm sorry, you know, for my tone or if I came off weird. Um, and it's a great opportunity because in adversity and strife and conflict, even disease, we have an opportunity to get to know ourselves better and bond with ourselves and those around us. As we see with uh, certain neighborhoods or areas in the world that get hit by natural disasters when community comes together, you know, instead of like get all lost in the chaos and turn against each other. We have a choice in every moment of adversity. Are we going to grow and bond with ourselves and each other? Or are we going to uh, take the lower road and act out and do the blame, shame, victim game? So uh, even if I'm feeling great and I get challenged, um, to me, it's the universe saying, you know, if you are feeling empowered, prove it to yourself then. Not in a way that's like you got to prove yourself, but mm -hmm. if you really were standing in an empowered vibration, nobody would be able to poke holes in you. Um, and again, I have a little bit more of a sensitivity to those that I'm close with, but I even noticed myself with a, a friend attacking me, um, who unfriended me, who used to be a really good friend because, um, I said, I don't want to talk about this case. I don't want to have anything to do with it. Uh, this Amber hurt. And he's like, uh, I mean, he just ripped me a new one. What is going on me. with that? He used to be a really good friend of mine. And I was just like, I blocked him and I just, I messaged his wife who was a friend of mine. I'm like, what in the hell is going on here? Um, and I'm like, okay, so, you know, in the empathic overload of seeing people struggle and I mean, there's no shortage of things that can get the best of us, but, um, you know, sometimes it's like, we care so much that we got to keep that in check, but, you know, mm -hmm. I don't want it to teach me to not care and be completely numb 
but I want to find, find a sort of neutrality where I have forgiveness and compassion in that moment and I don't take it so personally. But sometimes it's really hard not to feel insulted and offended when it's somebody close to you. Of That's course it. it is. I want you to talk more about empathic overload. That's a great term. And I think it's apropos for those of us who are uh, in the sensitives category. You know, this word has become kind of cliche, but it, it seems like it's taking on even more significance now with so much uh, stuff that people are being hit with that are that are driving empaths into some of them into a spiral Let's talk about empath overload. As a matter of fact, I might name it this because this is important. And this is kind of where we've been swimming in the last uh, 20, 20, 25 minutes. Empathic overload, antidote to that. Let's go into that a little bit deeper, Laura. Talk about yeah. that. Yeah. Well, see, people have to know, you know, when sometimes people give advice or unsolicited advice, we, people have to understand it's not a one size fits all. There's some people with the predominance of water signs. There's some people with the predominance of air signs or maybe Aquarian energy that can be a little bit more detached, not necessarily in a numb way, unless it's shadow Uranus, which can be very uh, almost aloof and just so cut off from the emotional aspect that they can be very difficult to have relationship with. But the higher octave of Uranus has a lot to do with sovereignty, truth, being authentic, right? So every planet, every sign has a shadow side. And eventually we won't need the Zodiac. To me, it's a map that gets us into the zero point. Once we gain an understanding of the different patternings, how those patternings might be helpful and how they might be harmful is always good to know. We don't need to know the chart, though. We just need to be conscious observers to our reality, because to me, that's no different. Um, sometimes, again, like Tarot can get a little bit too like, oh, my gosh, you know, you can get kind of lost in it a little bit. But I like medical astrology and I like seeing it as a map to get us into the zero point. So those of us that might have a predominance of water signs, particularly if it's a water sign on the ascendant, which is the outer personality, the ascendant and the outer sort of shell is where you greet life and feel the things that are immediate, right? It's the basic sort of personality, right? So the first impression you give off, the kind of conversations you have with people, the way you view kind of or perceive reality and the way others see you is very much the ascendant. So if you have a like Neptune, like I do, uh, very close to your ascendant, um, I mean, Neptune is very empathic, very sensitive, very much about the unseen realms and the multidimensional. And it's very hard in the first house, which is all about kind of ego identity, because Neptune is very much not about ego. And sometimes it's healthy to have more of an ego. Maybe one could be shielded more. Of course, there's a dark side to ego as well, just like anything. There's a dark side to Neptune, um, which can be self-undoing, even issues with addiction, having a hard time being grounded in this reality because maybe you're floating off in some other dimension. So you might attract more earth signs or more grounded forces. But for the most part, people will have a nice balance in their chart where they'll be able to tap into maybe more earth signs. But to make a long story short, which I'm making long, if you have a predominance of water signs, particularly close to the ascendant, it's really hard to not feel everything. And doesn't mean you're necessarily going to take it on because some people do, right? They absorb it. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, you, you might all of a sudden have symptoms. You might meet somebody who's having a really bad day and you take on their stuff and they walk away happy because you sort of, without realizing it, helped to clear their energy. And then you end up taking it on and you wonder why you feel so crappy. I, I That used to happen to me a long time ago. I, I know a lot of people that have issues with that. But for me, it's more, um, I'm, I'm, I, I, I feel really sad and not sorry for, but I think it goes more into feeling really, really pissed off uh, at how many well-intentioned people are being duped. And I don't like seeing them so made fun of all the time, you know, um, even people making fun of Justin Bieber because half his face mm. is paralyzed. It's just like, I don't care who this guy is. I don't care if he was sold out. You know, first of all, he was a child when he entered the industry. 
you know, a lot of people got this thing thinking that they were doing something right. So well-intentioned people that are really suffering now and struggling with mm -hmm. the confusion of what this means that might not have gone down the rabbit holes. And yeah, maybe, you know, they can be made fun of because they're so obsessed with fame and Hollywood. It doesn't matter. I mean, I just sometimes uh, I just really feel more like frustrated for how people are being duped the most. You know, I'm not I don't know him, so I don't know wh what his intentions are, but friends and family. Right. And uh, the realization when they do wake up, you know, how difficult that's going to be to process and how much, you know, I'm just mm -hmm. hoping a lot of us have the love and compassion to help them through instead of being. I'm not saying I know a lot of people that are like, I told you so they're not that rude. And I mm -hmm. think memes help us to cope. I mean, they're like if I if, if it wasn't for memes, God only knows where some of us would be. Right. Um, and I know that sometimes humor can help deal with the stress of empathic overload. But I, I think when it really pokes fun and, and people think that because it's social media and they're hiding behind a computer, they can say whatever they want and they don't realize how hurtful that can be to somebody who's seeing the feedback or seeing the responses or seeing the memes, poking fun at something that might destroy their life or ruin their career. Um, so I guess when I have empathic overload, sometimes it's just like the weight of the heaviness of what it's going to take for some of these people to snap out of it. It really concerns me and worries me. For the most part, I know that they will be okay if they can begin to wake up without, um, uh, you know, going into fear. Like you know, it's it's all doom and gloom, and they can't reverse whatever right. damage is. It's but tricky. Are, you know, yeah. Kind of waking up and maybe feeling um, the betrayal and being so lied to. Um, this is when I really think that those that are still willing to be here in this bifurcation with the bridge, you know, can help them process through this instead of make fun of them. That would be nice. But again, I don't, I'm not offended by the memes and I, and there's some, I have to catch myself not laughing at cause it's really not funny. Yeah. So I guess it's, it's a, it, it depends on what day. Sometimes it's just seeing the confusion in people's eyes, but also uh, when I flew recently, I didn't feel into any of the social engineering. I had a great dynamic with everybody around me, even the stewardesses. And last time I flew, it wasn't quite like that. That's why I took a break, but it was like, everybody was really high vibe and really happy. And I was like, is, am I reflecting this sort of like when you're pregnant, you only notice pregnant women, you know, when you're not, <laughs> but I'm like, this is an extraordinary shift in vibration that I didn't think I would see because of the craziness in the world. And I think people without being red pilled or going down the rabbit holes are being humbled because of all these challenges to remember the priority of how important it is for us to be loving and kind to one Absolutely. another. Absolutely. So yeah. I, I don't think everybody's there, but I think when we not really everyone. It and, and, empower it. And when I really was grounding it and feeling it, especially after the Homestead Festival, I'm like, you know, as long as I can maintain this vibration, I'm going to experience this timeline in reality. And even when I don't experience it and I am in that empathic overload or seeing the confusion, not saying I have all the answers or, oh, I got it all figured out and you guys don't. Um, I just know that uh, sometimes um, my nervous system response and the emotion that I feel, I just want to go into a restroom and cry. Um, but I know that at the same time, I appreciate moving through some of those heavier emotions because I think the rain needs to fall to, um, yeah. you know, make the plants uh, able to be healthy and grow. So I appreciate tears um, as long as I can avoid sort of the spirals of depression and it can just be a release. Mm -hmm. um, I don't let grief or sadness or empathic overload get the best of me as long as I can just release it, let it go, build a stronger shield and raise my vibration in the face of it and have a great trust in the universe and that these well-intentioned people are going to make it through this and be okay. And if they aren't in the larger picture, of course, on a greater soul journey, they'll be okay. They will be okay. Agreed. Yes, because we lose loved ones all the time. I mean, I have a friend mm. that just lost her daughter in a car accident. Mm. You know, everybody's so afraid of this virus, but 
you know, we face these possibilities every day, just in our normal life. We can't live in fear of it. And, and the way that they're working these dark agendas, you know, with the monkeypox and with the next level of, you know, the SADS with a sudden adult death syndrome, mm. you know, it's getting so ridiculous that a person's going to have no choice but to wake up to it. And if they're constantly right. in denial, yeah, maybe they won't make it this time around, but I feel that their souls are protected from the unconditional love of source energy. But if they choose to play with the dark side, they're the ones that are distracting themselves from the abundance of resources coming in from source and mother earth and Christ and God and everything. Wow. Okay. As I feel like this is a deja vu from the last show, you guys, I think I, I did the same thing. She just went on. Oh, I hope made my some very significant. No, you're making some very, very key points. You just don't know where to go next because you said so much. Here's where I'm going to go next, Laura. Um, I want to pose a question to you that comes from our Patreon membership. Uh, Mahala, shout out to you, Mahala, and thank you for reaching out. She had just seen um, an interview with you, uh, Laura, where you were, I believe, interviewed with uh, another uh, lady. There were three of you. And the idea of Anki, the return of Anki, Anki and Enlil, of course, I'm sure many of you are familiar with the legend of uh, Anki and Enlil. Uh, events surrounding the Galactic Federation and the return of Enki to Earth. I'm going to read this to you. I think it's probably best just to, to, to quote it verbatim. She says she thinks about Enki on the daily. So the notion that he is back, because that, that was the inference by one of the guests on the show with you, that he has returned um, with the intent to further involve himself in our human matters, all that's going on right now, which would be quite significant. But she's still curious after she watched this uh, interview that included you where your thoughts are intuitively on this idea of the possible return of Anki in other words rather than looking at what someone else may have said what is your what is your feeling yeah. about that idea that really he may return the question because sometimes you know when you do an interview with somebody uh, maybe what they say, it's an um, automatic default. Oh, I must agree. And it's, I love Elena and I, I apparently disagree with anything she says. And if I disagree, it doesn't mean I think I'm right and somebody else is wrong. It's just, okay, I just see it differently. And I embrace diversity. I embrace our differences. I embrace our different perspectives. And I think these greater conversations, you know, spark ideas and, oh, okay, I didn't consider that and vice versa. And I have a really great dynamic with her when it comes to that. It's like, it's not about right or wrong. I just have a different way of perceiving it. Um, I haven't put that much attention on it recently because I work a lot with Lisa Renee and the return of the mother energy and understanding the shift in timeline, the crystal star hosting and the anchoring of the um, uh, the 13th gate or the ether energy into the planetary core. Um, it's more activating the 13th gate. And that connects with the zero point unified field. It connects with the Fiacus, the 13th sign. It connects with um, how that uh, shifts the planetary grid network and begins to change the uh, vibration of the Gaia circuitry um, and the stargates. All of this has been infiltrated by um, reversal codes, dark technologies. You've said that thousands of years things, ago. Yeah, placed in very sacred sites right, um, and how right. that's impacted the planetary grid network and how in places like Stonehenge and the ley lines that connect to Glastonbury and um, a lot of the powerful stargates, how these dark technologies have um, created artificial timelines and uh, used these false mm -hmm. narratives and psyops to siphon energy in order to hijack the natural organic ascension and keep the mother energy and reversal code keeper trapped sort of in the underworld where we see those myths 
play out. So I brought up Anana going through the seven gates and how that links to the Venus archetype and the Magdalene energies and um, how there's a lot of stories that talk about these seven gates of hell, right? And then um, kind of like the alchemy or the transformation of the Phoenix coming up and then connecting with like the seven higher heavens and things beyond the seven chakras and seven logos um, that represents sort of the planetary intelligence that's been hijacked. Um, I feel the Enki energy played sort of a, uh, it always seemed to play a supportive role, but a lot of people have associated Enki with Lucifer. And there are elements to Lucifer that I don't think are like evil, but when you look at the shadow side of any archetype or any being, um, you know, even Archangel Michael and some of, uh, you know, the Thothian energies connected to the Emerald Tablets have a real dark side. Um, but it's not like saying, oh, that entity is completely and totally evil. Mm -hmm, it's just mm -hmm. as it has stepped down into dimensional energies and is now dealing with the seeding of humans and has its different ideas and thoughts about it. Um, some of it doesn't really support humanity. Some is purposely manipulating it, though, to keep us dumb so that they have a food source because a lot of these beings compromise their DNA and have joined with the Draco Alliance. Actually, the Anunnaki actually commissioned the Draco to do a lot of their dirty work from what I've come to understand. So the Enki Enlil energy to me is very similar to Osiris Set and the two brothers that seem to always sort of have a role in mythology. And I think their roles are very much inside of us because we are uh, holding the divine inheritance of some of these blueprints, just as we hold genetic similarities with our parents, right? But we don't have to uh, um, like digress with what we inherited from them. We don't have to take it on because it's not just the physical genetics. It's It could be a behavior patterns. It could be emotions, mm -hmm. it could be addictive tendencies or abusive tendencies, right? So when we're born, we're here to upgrade what we were born into and maybe carry on the better traits and illuminate them, but also mm -hmm. upgrade, also knowing that we're sovereign and we're not just inheritors of our biological parents were a lot more because we have our own unique soul journey. We have agreements to work with different family members. So to me, pantheons and these kind of archetypes is something we inherit, but there have been lower creator gods that have been shielding us and blocking us from true source, the zero point unified field and the mother energy, which the path of like Anana had to sort of correct. So when the Anunnaki came in and we were dealing with Enki and Enlil and some of the timelines connected to that, some of the genetic manipulation, but some of the stuff where Enlil, you know, possibly was behind the flood, where Enki, I think, had a more, like, a higher vibrational role when it came to humanity. But I think a lot of lessons have been learned, um, just like with any sort of archetype or deity coming into the physical and uh, having something to do with the trajectory of the human race and where it's headed. So Michael Lee Hill is very connected to the Enki archetype. Um, you can look him up. He's on Facebook. Uh, he's a musician. And supposedly he's working with Elon Musk to send a bunch of codes from space with his music that's set to a higher hertz. So when she was telling me that, I thought of Michael Lee Hill. I'm like, okay, he legitimately really, really carries this Enki archetype. And he's being upgraded to the next level of how he can support humanity. So I think the Enki role is playing a really important role. And I think it's supportive of the mother energy because it can't just be up to one kind of archetypal energy without there being some kind of return to the mother to the divine blueprint of the Christ Sophia, to the mother father cosmic trinity that birthed the Christ Sophia child. And I feel like Enki and Enlil are offshoots of the father energy mm -hmm. that kind of became fallen, just like the mother energy or the fallen Sophia ended up dealing with the underworlds or being hijacked or being kind of held, you know, in the underworld by like Hades um, and by other archetypes that we all hold within ourselves. We know we have to kind of get over that control force so that we're not feeling exiled or, or shut down or shut off where our wisdom is not available to the planet. So I think Enki uh, 
has support for the mother energy playing her role as the mother energy um, loves and supports what could be siblings and offspring in this later manifestation of uh, what took place in our galactic history, the Anunnaki coming forth. Some of them came forth to destroy like the Orophim and the higher seedings because they were in competition, sort of like Lucifer. It's like, why do I have to serve humanity? Why have I lost my position of being this angel of light or this light bringer? You know, he was pissed mm -hmm. off. So, wow, once a being gets over being pissed off and it's like, wait a second, what was I thinking? I feel like it's going to impact humanity for the positive. So I think there's a link between Enki and Lucifer and the redemption of Lucifer. Not to say that Enki mm. is Lucifer, but when we redeem that Luciferian energy within ourselves or our connection with false light or being addicted to the matrix and not realizing we're serving the darker stuff, to me, inwardly, we redeem Lucifer. We bring him back to the light and he gets assimilated and integrated back into the Christ Sophia. And we actually heal these archetypes because they respond to us as much as we respond to them. Like we're talking about with, like reality mirroring us, but also challenging us to make us stronger. So I feel really good about the Anki role, what she said, and what I know of Michael Lee Hill, a very benevolent being. But I, I do see the return of the mother energy um, mm -hmm. almost okay. being more significant for many reasons. But without the support of like Anki, I don't know about Enlil, um, it'd be very, very difficult for her. So I, I feel like there's a family reunion and the dysfunction of what took place in these pantheons is being healed as we speak. But I do feel like there's sort of a lower creator God energy and there's, you know, we're returning to true source where everything is in oneness, but not sameness, where diversity and harmony is true oneness. And I think these archetypal energies that exist within us that we are healing within ourselves is a part of why there's a return or a healing or a redemption or maybe that Enki energy never needed redemption. Um, maybe this is just a huge breakthrough because the timing is right and humanity's ready. Um and, and we need it more now than ever for uh, there to be more participants. And obviously nothing's going to come save us. We can only save ourselves. But when we ignite these dormant strands of DNA, mm -hmm. I feel like we help to facilitate the return of these higher beings. And I think we are slowly uh, igniting these strands. And some it's are coming in. Yeah. And some are coming in with the strands already activated. So, you know, they say that no one's going to come save us, but I do feel at the same time we have help. So whether, well, say, yeah, sorry, Go ahead. whether the physical manifestation, not the physical, but the, 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 the literal return of Anki has happened or not, it seems like the energetic resonance or energy signature of Anki or that whole, as you call it, the pantheon has returned for us to use as an archetype to be right. able to transmute uh, exactly. the dark and right. the light. Right. I mean, as long as we're sort of unconscious humans, these kind of controller groups or races, they're like, well, they're unconscious. They're not awake. So somebody has to kind of guide the process and maybe some get frustrated and they want depopulation. I mean, the concept of good and evil is very subjective to um, the perspective of the one experiencing it or behind something. Um, and I think the more we wake up, uh, there's no controller group that can get away with um, monitoring things or, or controlling things. Um, I feel like it meets us more as an ally. And so it comes in and assists us as much as we are not unconscious to it anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think as long as we are unconscious, it's sort of like it feels like it has a parental role. And sometimes mm. that parental role might be, um, wow, it's a really dark parental role. And that's really unfair. But at the same time, um, we have a choice to, to awaken. And I feel it changes our vibration and relationship with some of these archetypal energies. And it brings us out of the shadow relationship. 
like the shadow relationship maybe with the divine mother is the baphomet or the reversal of where she's trapped and we feel victimized but when we rise like the phoenix out of it we begin to connect with the cosmic mother the earth mother um and where the maiden kind of comes back to earth and meets with demeter so you know we can't overly define these archetypes as good or evil or this or that um i feel uh we have a particular dynamic based on how we inwardly change um, and I think, uh, yeah, when we talk about pantheons, there's Egyptian pantheons, and there's a lot of AI connected to mimicking a lot of stuff and a lot of uh, things that happen in Egypt where some of those archetypes aren't really being represented correctly. But that's a whole nother thing. Um, and wow. I, yeah, I think the return of this energy, n nothing will come and save us. But at the same time, like you said, we may be saving them, are, Laura. Yeah, well, it's, we it's, may it's be saving thing. them. Exactly. It's a mutual thing. They need yes. us to wake up. And because of galactic wars, because of the Orion wars, because of, uh, you know, the electrical wars, the Lemurian Holocaust, the Atlantean cataclysms and the planet being thrown and our DNA turning into junk, it's like, okay, we could blame all we want, the outer beings, but we're in a free will universe. It's dealt with a lot of catastrophe and a lot of things that have created a lot of trauma that we can't really catch up with because we don't learn about it in our history books. We have to go out of our way to recover this galactic history to make sure history is not being rewritten because obviously there are dark forces and there is a deep state cabal right what beings and entities they worship or are connected with doesn't mean those beings are negative it's just as much as they worship the baphomet which is the the enslaved mother in reversal right but that that's not the the will of the mother that's what they placed upon her in order to invert um the power of her birthing creative cauldron that they mm. turn into hell so once we get over the hell and we go through those gateways and we recognize that we're reclaiming our darkness in the womb and our capacity to birth, whether we're male or female, then we're no longer subjected to the dark underbelly that exists pretty much with everything and every planetary body and pretty much just as humans, we have that shadow side that we're working on. So I think they need us as much as we need them and we're helping to save one another. It's just like our immune system. It's not going to come in and save us if we're not supporting it. If we keep trashing our body and eating crappy food, our immune system is like, I'm here, but you're not stepping up to the plate. So how can I possibly help you? Agreed. But when we step up to the plate, the immune system's like, thank you. And we're helping it and it's helping us. So I think oh. it's kind of the same. I like what loves you, loves you back. Ooh, it just like works that. that way. It just works that way. Listen, my dear, you have just got, you have given us, I love having Laura on you guys because she can pack so much of a wallop into so little time oh, and it's been three 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 sorry oh oh it just changed it jumped <laughs> anyway keep going sorry oh my god i love it listen we're going to take this over to the after show here's what i want to talk about laura i want to talk about the influence of the sun during these times and the grand solar flash Ooh, yeah. don't say anything about it because we're going to take it to patreon okay. you guys join us over there okay because we're not going to go too long but just enough to, to get some of I, I can tell Laura's got a few things to say about this. Huh. We've got a lot going on, uh, a lot of solar activity going on, and it definitely folds into what uh, what Laura's talking about, what we're seeing play out. So join us over there, will you? Uh, in the meantime, Laura, um, again, where can people find you? And wh what gig are you doing next? Where, where are you going next? I'm going uh, flying on Friday to do an event Saturday in L.A. called Disclosure Fest. Oh, It'll yes. Be, um, yeah. Um, it's an amazing event that they put on. Musicians. Uh, workshops and speakers, uh, Jimmy Church, Brad Olson, myself, yeah. Adam Apollo, um, and Adrian Youngblood's going to be there. She's always a part of organizing this kind of stuff. And some great friends that I haven't met yet that I follow on Facebook, like Anna Bliss. And That's um, great. I mean, I, I could just name a lot of names. So I'm looking forward to that. And then, uh, yeah, there's quite a number of events 
Um, I think the one after that, I, I, I might go to Ireland at the end of the month. I don't know. Uh, um, and, and then there's going to be the Mount Shasta event, uh, in July with Alex Collier and, um, I, I believe Brad Olson's going to be there. Just a whole bunch of awesome Tell Brad people. I said hi, by the way. Oh, I will. Yeah, no, we're, we're yes. yeah, I'll be seeing him. Um, we have a meeting, especially. So, you know, sometimes it's hard to run into everybody, but yeah. I will tell him you said hi. Okay. And then there's going to be an event in October that Danny Henderson is putting on, the one that uh, facilitated the roundtable with Elena and I. She's incredible. And a lot of uh, Michael Sala, Alex Collier, Elena's going to be there. And that's going to be in Sarasota, Florida at the end of October. So I have to update my website. So keep an eye on CosmicGaia.org, everybody. And I'll make sure that all those events um, are there. It might take me a couple of days, but um, I'll, I'll update everything. So I hope to see you guys in person. Okay. That sounds great. Maybe I can meet up with you for, for oh, one please. or more of those. Disclosure Fest, we were supposed to do a few years ago, right before you know, the, the, the lid blew off and it was canceled. So I'm not going this year, but maybe if they do it next year, I'll, I'll join you there. But in the meantime, join us next door guys, Patreon right now. We're going to talk about the sun and what the heck that may have to do with what's going on right now. Laura Eisenhower. Thank you as always my dear. Don't go anywhere. You, Alexis. All right. We'll see you next door. Love you guys. Love you journeyers. Love Thanks you guys. for joining Thanks us for once again. <laughs>